Chapter 31, Spotless. Luke 22, 14 and 15. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to live back in Bible times? There are some things I'd definitely like to experience, but I don't honestly think I could cut it in the ancient world. I probably wouldn't make it very long without air conditioning, Diet Dr. Pepper, and college football. But if I could just briefly time travel, there are some moments I'd like to visit and see for myself. I would love to catch a glimpse of the dedication of Solomon's temple in Jerusalem and see some of those unbelievable treasure ships. I'd like to see Peter giving a sermon on the day of Pentecost and the feeding of the 5,000. I'd love to see Elijah's showdown on Mount Carmel, and I definitely wouldn't want to miss David and his mighty men in their heyday. There's so many things I'd love to experience as an eyewitness, but on the other hand, there are moments in that book that I don't want to see, but nevertheless, I don't ever want them to be far from my heart. And of those, I'm not sure anything compares with the night God's people left bondage in Egypt for a new life in the promised land. The Israelites had been slaves of the Egyptian pharaohs for 400 years. And when God decided to set them free, he did it in grand fashion. He sent Moses and Aaron to the Pharaoh's court, ordering him to release the Israelites from bondage and allow them to return to their own land. But Pharaoh refused. He said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? The Lord then showed Pharaoh exactly who he was by sending a series of devastating plagues designed to personally mock the false gods of the Egyptian religion and to cripple the land the economy, and community life of Egypt. It was a systemic destruction of Egypt from the inside out. And with every plague, Pharaoh's heart was hardened as he refused to let God's people go. But finally, God sent the worst plague of all. At about midnight, a destroying angel would sweep through Egypt, killing the firstborn son of every single family, from Pharaoh himself down to the lowliest slave and even their cattle. So far, in every one of these plagues, the Lord struck the Egyptians, but automatically left the Israelites out of harm's way. They didn't have to do anything. They were just covered, protected, and excluded from God's wrath. This time was different because there was something the Lord wanted his people to do. God gave Moses a detailed plan for how the Israelites would escape the coming disaster, and they had to follow it to the letter. It was going to be a dark, noisy, costly, messy, bloody, confusing, difficult, and strange night. Unearthly screams would pierce the dark, and it would probably feel like the whole world was breaking. But if they followed, they would survive. This was the plan. Each family had to take a spotless year-old male lamb from the flocks and bring it into their house. The family had to care for it for five days, and then at twilight on the last day, 
They had to kill it, collecting the blood. The lamb then had to be slaughtered and roasted for the family to eat, and they had to eat all of it that night. Some of the blood was then painted onto the door frame of the house with this plant that, that looks like a paintbrush. God said that when the destroying angel came through Egypt, he himself would see the blood on the door frames of the Israelite houses and would pass over their roofs, protecting them from the plague of the death of the firstborn. What a strange, scary, an unbelievably amazing night that must have been. I, I can imagine fathers and grandfathers huddling their family members close through the watches of the night, praying and singing and, and just hoping that the plan had worked and that they had done it all right while longing for daybreak. Now, the really interesting thing about that night is that God didn't just give Moses and his people those instructions for the immediate moment. In the same breath, he told them that this would forever be a national holiday that they had to observe every year. It would be called Passover. And their entire calendar was literally reorganized around the celebration of this strange night. Now, that's a really unique situation because normally holidays are declared and observed years after the historic event happens as a way to commemorate it. With this holiday, however, the yearly observation was declared on the very same night of the event itself. It was simultaneously planned to be acted and then annually and perpetually reenacted. It was as if God was telling them that remembering it forever was just as important as doing it in the first place. And after about 1,400 years of God's people remembering and reenacting that night, year after year, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus reclined at the head of the table as he and his disciples observed the sacred festival once again. Our Lord looked around the room full of nervous faces lit dimly by oil lamps and said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. In the original language, the word we've translated eagerly and the word desired are really both the same exact word. Jesus was repeating himself, saying that he desired with desire to celebrate this holiday with them. Actually, the word desire is the same word that Jesus used for lust in the Sermon on the Mount. It's an incredibly strong and passionate word. Jesus was saying he's desperately longing for this moment. It was extremely important to him that they share this ritual meal together, remembering the night God saved their people with blood. The next 18 hours or so of these guys' lives were about to be every bit as dark, noisy, costly, messy, bloody, confusing, difficult, and strange as that very first Passover night. The unearthly screams of their master would pierce a worldwide darkness in the middle of the day. It would seem as though the world itself were breaking, and it almost did. But because of the blood of the spotless lamb, they and we would survive. For more, get yourself to a quiet place 
read Luke 22, 7 through 16, and Exodus 12, 1 through 30. Why do you think this particular meal meant so much to Jesus? Why did he desire to share this symbolic celebration with his guys right before he himself became the Passover lamb? And what does it mean to your heart that he longs to be the one to pay with his blood to cover and protect you? Tell them all about it. <laughs>